Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Difference Makers series, which walks through the first two chapters of the book of Exodus, seeing how anyone can make a difference in the lives of others. We hope this sermon will be an encouragement to you. We'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Exodus 2 this morning, we are, uh, we're wrapping up just a four-week series that we've done here in the book of Exodus, uh, the first part of it called Difference Makers. And we will be back in the book of Exodus in the month of August, and we're going to be in Exodus for about 10 weeks. We'll go uh, 10 or 12 weeks, going from chapter 3 all the way to the end of chapter 18. And you say, Pastor, it took us four weeks to cover two chapters. How are we going to cover the rest in 10? I got no clue, but we're going to try to do it. No, we got it all planned out. Uh, But today we're coming to just kind of the end of this short series, uh, Difference Makers, and understanding that God desires that each one of us would make a difference in the lives of people around us. And we've learned a number of lessons about difference makers. If you were here the first week, we learned just the, the, from the life of Joseph that difference makers leave a legacy. And they leave a legacy by specific decisions they make. And we, we looked at the life of Joseph and how Joseph was unshakable in his faith, unwavering in that faith. And he, uh, he kept a focus on his purpose, knowing that no matter what trials come my way, I can glorify God and I can draw people to him. And, and of course, he was, uh, willing to, he was willing to forgive. Man, what a great truth that makes a difference in people's lives. Let me ask you, don't raise your hand this morning, but have you ever offended somebody and needed forgiveness? Yeah, you have, and you want forgiveness. We want forgiveness, but we're, always, we're not always uh, uh, willing to offer forgiveness. And here's Joseph, man, sold into slavery by his own siblings, and yet he told them, hey, what you meant for evil, God meant for good, and he spoke kindly to them. He, he forgave them and showed us difference makers. They, they leave a legacy by making those decisions. The second week, we understood that difference makers They make a difference because they fear and follow God above anyone else. We learned that from those two midwives, Shifra and Pua. Yeah, some of you are where you you just didn't want to say it. You make me say it, but you won't say it. Uh, Shifra and Pua, and man, what a testimony they had because here's a time we learn in Exodus chapter number one that Egypt comes to a place where there's a Pharaoh that doesn't remember Joseph, doesn't remember the influence that Joseph had within the entire kingdom. Remember, Joseph was one, Genesis chapters 45 through 50. He secured and saved the entire known world. Well, fast forward 400 years, there's a Pharaoh that doesn't remember Joseph. Joseph. There's a Pharaoh who no longer um, admires the people of God. Instead, he, he's fearful of them. And so he goes to enslave them. But the enslavement, remember the story? The enslavement wasn't enough. The people grew. The Pharaoh's fear uh, exceeded any sort of uh, um, consciousness that he would have and right character that he would have. And so he says, you know what? We're not just going to enslave the people of God. We're going to kill them. So let's kill off all the baby boys that are born. And he goes to the midwives, Shifra and Pua, who are kind of the the head midwives of all of the Hebrew midwives. And he says to them, every boy that's born, kill him. Well, the Bible says this, that they they didn't follow through with that because they feared God more than they feared Pharaoh. And we learned this lesson that difference makers are those who say, you know what? No matter what comes my way, God is my focus. I will fear and follow God above anything else. And if you were here, we were challenged that week with the thought that the Pharaoh represents the enemy of God's people. And you and I, we too have an enemy. 
We have the enemy, the great adversary, the Bible calls him, or the devil, Satan. He hates us, he hates our family, and he's gonna use any voice to speak into our life. And you and I, we have to make a decision, whose voice am I gonna follow? Am I gonna follow the voice of Satan through culture and through what's popular and through what's uh, contextually acceptable within my culture, or am I gonna fear and follow God above anything else? Week three, last week, Mother's Day. We learned some great lessons about the difference makers choose to impact those closest to them first. And they do it by faith. And by faith, remember uh, Jochebed, Moses' mom? Man, she had that baby and it was supposed to be a time of joy, but instead it's a time of stress. Because now do I kill him? Or do I risk the keeping him alive and risk my whole family? And while she made that decision, you know what? I love him. And I'm going to invest in Moses. And so her and Amram, Moses' father, remember the story? They, they, if, you, if you just kind of sit there, you, if you don't shake your head, I'm going to keep going on. I'm just kidding. Uh, some of you are like, keep going. No, man, they, they took Moses and put him in a basket and put him in the Nile. And God used that. And then there's Jochebed in front of Pharaoh's daughter being paid being paid to raise her own child and then she would go to invest in him. And we learned a number of lessons that we won't repeat this week, but just the simple thought that difference makers, she did all of that by faith. And difference makers in faith, they say, I'm gonna invest in those closest to me. My family, my close friends, my friends around me, I'm gonna use my life and invest in people because I believe that God has a purpose with the people around me. This morning, we pick back up Exodus chapter number two. We left off in verse 10 last week, and this week we're gonna pick up in verse number 11. But before we get there, have you ever been around somebody who is paranoid about everything? You know, you know the type of people I'm talking about? Uh, this is the person who thinks that everyone around them is a spy from the government. Everybody. This is, the, uh, this is the, the people, the guys on the street who think that every person that comes across their path is an undercover police officer. I grew up, I've told you this, I grew up in, Lake, or, you know, in Lakewood as a teenager. And how many of you have been to Lakewood? And you drove right through it. You didn't stop or anything. You didn't want anything to do with Lakewood. Uh, man, growing up in Lakewood, it's kind of a rough area. And I, I can remember... Of course, my teen years, I just kind of, you know, knew people and knew about the, the gangs and drugs and all that type of stuff. But then when I became a youth pastor, man, I was ministering to these people. And I was, we were reaching these teenagers, 13 and 14, that are in and out of juvie, that are drug dealers, that carry weapons and guns to church, you know. And I'm like, man, I feel like I'm in the Bronx, you know, or something, you know. And I remember anytime we'd be out, we'd be out maybe doing, doing door knocking or there'd, there'd be times our... Our church, we owned a whole shopping center. So you had the church building back here and then a parking lot and then a, a kind of an L-shaped shopping, L-shaped shopping center that was here. And then across the parking lot was a 7-Eleven and then this, del, it was a deli, Sunny Deli, I think it was called. Incredible teriyaki. Anyway, they, uh, there'd always be these kids. We were a block away from the main high school. Kids were always hanging out there. That 7-Eleven got robbed multiple times. There's, there's just great stories. But I remember I'd be walking over there and me and my coworkers, the other assistant pastors, we'd like take a lunch break. You know, hey, we're gonna walk over to, to grab lunch at the deli. And we'd be walking past teenagers, you know, these kind of gang looking kids. And 
as soon as we're walking up, I, if you know me, I'm outgoing. So I'm always like, hey, how you guys doing? You know, and they, they're always like, yo, what's up, dog? I would always be like, hey, what's kicking cat? You know, and like just try to say silly things. But I remember on many occasions, we'd walk up, and I mean no disrespect with what I'm about to say. They would go, you the popos? You three, you three guys look like the popos. And I'd be like, the, the popos? And like, yeah, you know, the police. And I'm like, well, I'm a chaplain with the police, but I'm not really with the police. You know, and man, you know, you know what they had? They had this mindset, everybody around me, everybody's out to get me. Man, everybody, the police, they could be anybody. You know those people, paranoid people. Why are they paranoid? Well, they're paranoid because the person that I fear could be anybody. What if I were to tell you this morning that the person that the devil fears could be anybody? What do you mean, pastor? I wanna look this morning at just this simple thought that difference makers, they can be anybody. Anybody can be a difference maker. Anybody could cause the devil to be paranoid. What are they gonna do now? Who are they gonna witness to now? What are they gonna, anybody could be a difference maker. And we're gonna see that from the life of Moses this morning that really God, the Bible still has the principle. God says that he's looking everywhere for anyone to show his power through. And so I wanna show you three very simple principles this morning about a difference maker being anybody. Take your Bible, let's go to Exodus chapter number two and verse number 11. Let's stand together and uh, let's read these verses. We're gonna read verse 11 down through verse number 22 of Exodus chapter number two. The word of God says this, and it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and he looked on their burdens. Now pause, remember with me, There's about 35 years between verse 10 and verse 11. And when it says that Moses went to check on his brethren, he was going to check on the Hebrews. He knew his lineage. He knew what he was. He knew his family, his heritage. And so he's going to check on his brethren. And he spied an Egyptian smiting an Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way. And when he saw that there was no man He slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. And he said to him that did the wrong, wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he, the person that Moses is speaking to said, who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. Now when Pharaoh heard these things, heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses, but Moses, he fled from the face of Pharaoh. And he dwelt in the land of Midian and sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters. They came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their, flo- their father's flock. And the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses... He stood up and he helped them and watered their flock. And when they came to Reuel or Jethro, their father, he said, how is it that you're come so soon today? How'd you guys get done with this so fast? 
And they said, an Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and also drew water enough for us and watered the flock. And he said unto his daughters, well, where is he? And why is it that you've left him, left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man. And he gave Moses Zipporah, his daughter, and she bare him a son and called his name Gershom. For he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. This morning, I want to take these verses and from them understand the principle that a person who can make a difference really could be anybody. The excuse we often make is, well, I'm not a Moses. I'm not a Paul. I'm not a Daniel. I'm not an Esther. But all of those people They were simply just vessels. They were anybody. And in our culture and in our country, in our city, in our community, our church, and your family, you know what God's looking for? He's looking for an anybody who just says, all right, God, you can use me. And I think we'll learn that principle this morning and be challenged by it. So let's pray with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Would you take just a minute and would you ask the Lord to speak to you this morning Would you ask him to help you to hear this morning what he would have for you? And then would you make a commitment? God, if you speak to me today, God, I'm gonna listen to you. I'm gonna hear you. I'm gonna respond to you today. Dear Lord, we want to come before you and thank you for this, uh, this day. Thank you for the opportunity we have to gather together. And Lord, I just want to, uh, want to pray that you'd help us, help us as we dive into this passage to hear from you. I pray that you would um, just connect the thoughts this morning, help it to make sense to each one of us, and that we would see the application in our lives personally. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here uh, with us in person or online, they don't know that heaven is where they would spend eternity. I pray that today would be the day they put their faith and trust in you. And Lord, we just pray that as we go through the message, that you would work and help us to see that you are simply just looking for anyone to work through. We love you, God. Thank you for your love. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. Some thoughts I want to look at this morning are just some thoughts about difference makers that I find in this passage from the life of Moses, and then we'll tie it all together at the end. But I want us to understand, first off, the difference makers are not perfect. Difference makers are not perfect people. I think sometimes, and I'm just gonna kind of cut right to the application and you'll see where we go with this, but I think that sometimes, listen, sometimes in your life and in my life, we give God excuses as to why he can't use us. Sometimes in your life and in my life, we go through situations and we look at decisions that we've made and we say, well, God, since I have that in my past, that disqualifies me from being used at all in my future. And I want you to understand that that is a lie from the devil, that he wants you to believe that your past binds you from being used by God. Because in your life and in my life, what we understand today is that difference makers, they're not perfect people. Notice what it says. If you look in Exodus chapter number two 
in verse number 11, when it says that when Moses was grown, what does he do? He, he goes and he, he goes to look at his brethren. We just read the story. He's gonna, we don't, know, we don't know what the story is, but we know that Moses is now 40 years old. How do we know that Moses is 40 years old? Acts 7.23. Acts 7.23 lets us know Moses was 40. Here's what it says. When he was a full 40 years, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. Man, the Bible is great commentary on the Bible. It really helps us understand a lot of things a lot of times. So here's Moses at 40 years old. 35 years has passed. Remember, he has been raised for the last 35 years. He's raised in Pharaoh's house. He's raised as a son of Pharaoh. Many Bible scholars believe that Moses perhaps could have been in the line of succession within uh, the kingdom of Egypt to become a Pharaoh in Egypt. I mean, wow, what, a, what a position. And what, what's Moses doing on this day? Well, he goes out to visit his brethren. What's that mean? Man, at 40 years old, he realizes, I'm a, I'm a he, I know I'm a Hebrew. I'm just gonna kind of go check in. And what's he see taking place but uh, a taskmaster beating a Hebrew, whipping a Hebrew, scourging a Hebrew. And no doubt Moses looks at that taskmaster and he perhaps looks at that Hebrew and he thinks of his brother Aaron. He thinks of his sister Miriam. For five years, he was raised in their house. He knew, I mean, those formidable years, uh, Jochebed would invest in him. Pharaoh knew, or uh, uh, Moses knew. And no doubt, as Moses looks at them, he thinks somebody's gotta do something. And with the right intention, Moses does the wrong thing. What does he do? He goes and he kills the Egyptian, buries him in the sand. He leaves thinking he could escape and get away from it. And the next day, <clears throat> Moses goes out and he goes and the Bible says that he sees, uh, he sees two Hebrews and they're arguing. And Moses, he's, his mindset is someone's got to mediate. He's not, he's not going to go kill them. <laughs> he's just trying to mediate for them. And he says to the one, maybe he says, jumps in and says, hey guys, stop, stop, stop. Why are you guys arguing? What's wrong? What's the matter? And if you look at verse 13 and 14 and 15, it tells us what they say. Well, I'm moving ahead. But anyway, he looks at verse number uh, 13 and here's what Moses does. Moses tries to stop the fight and the Hebrew says, who, who made you a judge and a prince over us? Basically, hey, who asked you for your help, buddy? This wrong verse on the screen. Don't worry about it. He said, who, who asked you for help? And then they say something that surprises Moses. <laughs> what do they say? Are you gonna kill me just like you did the Egyptian the other day? Moses goes, man, it's out. People know. And sure enough, word gets to Pharaoh. And what does Moses do? Except we read in verse number 15, Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and he dwelt in the land of Midian and he sat down by a well. Here's Moses going out to literally break up a fight between God's people. Two Hebrews are now fighting with each other. They're not fighting the enemy, they're fighting with each other. Can I just say very, on a side note, isn't it sad when God's people fight against God's people? Man, believers can often argue over the smallest, silliest things. 
I know that you maybe might be on the, on the outside of that looking in, but as a pastor, I see pastors argue over the silliest things. And over the years, I've seen churches divide and Christians divide over the silliest of things. I mean, I'm not talking whether someone gets saved by baptism or saved by salvation by grace alone. I'm talking about little things that people argue over that are, that are preferential, that may be one way for your family and different for somebody else. You know what? I think there's a great lesson we can learn from this. We, we as Christians need to remember who the enemy really is. Amen. And let me just take this a step further since you, since you wanted me to. I just heard someone ask. <laughs> I just want to take this a step further, and I want to say, uh, in families, parents, you can argue over the silliest things with your family sometimes. Yes. And a husband and wife argue over the silliest things. And kids argue over, I mean, just the, the craziest things in your home. You know what you're doing? Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, don't give the devil access into your family. Marriage, God said it this way, what God hath put together, let not man put asunder. I personally believe, and I believe I could prove it from scripture, that when a husband and a wife allow arguments to happen over, forgive me if this is a bad word, dumb things, if a, if, if, if a husband and wife or siblings are, I mean, siblings argue over the silliest things, you know what sometimes you're doing? You're, putting a, you're causing the marriage to be put asunder. You're dividing it. I think there's a great lesson here, man. Don't ever let us be those two Hebrews that are just arguing. God's people arguing over something. We don't know where the argument was, but probably something silly. And so what's Moses do? He tries to stop it. He gets the threat. He finds out Pharaoh knows. And we discover Moses flees. Moses runs from Egypt. He runs from the Hebrews. I find myself in Moses's spot, perhaps wondering, and there's no way I can be of a help now. Maybe Moses is thinking so much for all that stuff that mom talked to me about. Maybe Moses is wandering, you know, those, those months in the desert as he runs from, from Egypt and he's thinking so much for God having a plan with me. Here I am trying to do the right thing, but look where it's got me. And so Moses runs away. But I want to help us understand something, and we will see this in the coming months. Moses will eventually become one of the greatest difference makers the world has ever seen. But Moses didn't always start as a mighty difference maker. We actually read much less in these pages. In these pages, we read about a murderer. In these pages, we read about somebody who took justice into his own hands. On this page, we read about somebody who in fear runs from his, his, uh, his family that he's supposed to be defending as well as from the family that adopted him. I don't know about you this morning, but does it look like a great mighty difference maker? No. But what I want us to see this morning is God didn't quit on him. And I just wanna to say to you this morning that God doesn't quit on you. You see, God is still looking for people to show his power and glory to this world through. He's still looking for difference makers. And this morning, just because you have some things in your past that maybe were sinful choices or maybe were wrong choices or maybe it was you, like Moses, trying to do the right thing, but you did it in the wrong way, 
Can I just say this morning that you are precisely who God is looking for? Moses could have used all of these decisions for the years to come. Moses could have used these. I mean, he could have used this. God, I murdered a man. You can't use me. But years later, we find Moses choosing to move beyond his past failures and decisions. He decided that his past failures were not going to hold him back from moving forward for the Lord. Here's my question this morning for you. What past decisions are you allowing to hold you from moving forward? In your life, think about it. What what past decisions are there? What past relationship is it? What past vice is it? What past habit is it? What past thought life is it? What past uh, 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 maybe relationship struggle or words that were spoken or argument or lack of forgiveness or bitterness? What is literally holding your coattails from moving forward for God? Because every single one of us, the devil likes to throw our past in our face. The devil likes to say, well, that marriage didn't last, so why would this one? The devil likes to say, well, you you said that one time and you'll probably say that again. The devil likes to climb up on your shoulder and say, hey, it's just one job to the next. Look at you, you can't hold anything down. Hey, where's the Christians who are gonna stand up and say, no more? No more am I gonna let your voice echo in my life that I'm a failure because I have a God that sees more. You see, God doesn't see what is. If you're saved, God sees his son and he sees what could be. Oh, he knows what is. God knows you inside and out. He knows you better than you know you. And yet God says, I'm not gonna quit on you. Hey, what past decisions are holding you back? What excuses or reasons are you looking at saying, well, God's probably done with me? I want to tell you this morning that difference makers, they are not perfect, and that's fine with God. I'm not saying this morning that sin is fine, and we pursue sin and say, well, you know, grace is grace. No, 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 no. Uh, You know the verse, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live or abide or dwell any longer therein? No, you have Christ. There's the ability to move forward for him. But what I'm simply saying this morning and getting at today is every single person here has a past, and you have past failures, and the devil wants you to use that as an excuse to not move forward for God. But God says, I still want to use you. I mean, think about Paul. What did Paul call himself? He said, I'm, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. This is the apostle Paul. I mean, he wrote 13 or 14 of the New Testament books that you read. All of the encouragement that you go to in the book of Ephesians or Colossians or Galatians or what you go to in the book of Romans, you know who wrote that? Paul, who called himself the chiefest of sinners. Do you know why God worked in him so much? Here's what Paul said. Think about our theme verse of the year. Paul said, it's by the grace of God that I am what I am. And his grace that was bestowed or given to me, it wasn't given in vain because I labored more abundantly than anyone else. But not I. It wasn't me that labored. It was the grace of God that was in me. And you know what God's looking for? He's looking for some difference makers that just simply say, I need grace. 
God, I need grace. I need your strength. Difference makers, they are not perfect. But you know what I believe difference makers do? I believe that difference makers, while they're not perfect, they just look for opportunities to bless others. I think difference makers look for opportunities just to bless others. Where do we see this? I love the passage. It says that the priest of Midian had seven daughters. They were shepherds or shepherdesses. I don't know. I'm not gonna keep going down that road because I will say something that I probably don't wanna say. They, they are shepherds, and what are they doing? They're going to water the flocks. And uh, here's, here's Moses now in Midian. Now, Midian, you can see it on the map, would be uh, kind of that bottom right corner. Of course, the, uh, the, it would be to the east of, of Egypt. This is where Moses has fled. And he goes, and he sits by a well. And as he's sitting there, these group of shepherds, not just the sisters, okay, but a group of shepherds come to water their flocks. And the, the, the scripture leads us to understand that there's some, uh, if I can say it this way, there's some harassment taking place. And the seven daughters of Midian, they're not being allowed to water their flocks. No man will help them roll the stone back to, to get some water. And, and we can kind of see all of, the, all of this together in the passage. Well, Moses, he's sitting there by this well and he sees all this taking place and this harassment taking place, which very clearly always happened because Reuel, Jethro says to the girls, man, how'd you guys get done so quick? You're usually not back for hours because it takes you so long to water the flocks. Moses is sitting there and this harassment's taking place and what does he do? He just does what he can. I don't know if he picked up a stick I don't know if he fought anybody. I don't know if he just yelled at people. I don't know if he just walked over to the other guy shepherds and said like, hey, quit being a jerk. Like, let him have water. That's not a big deal. Like, we, we don't know what he did, but we know that he was a blessing to these seven daughters. He had a desire to help them. He, uh, the old saying is he saw the need and took the lead. The saying is he saw something that he could do that he could help in. He doesn't know who they are. He doesn't expect anything in return. He just defends them and he helps them water their flocks. And we can gather from this passage that even though Moses had a tainted past, he still had character in the present to be a blessing to those who were in need. I think from this, we can learn another lesson about difference makers, and that's the fact that difference makers desire to be a blessing wherever they go. Moses, he couldn't hide who he was as a servant wanting to bless people. Think about it. He didn't know them. He didn't owe them. He didn't know what would come from helping them. He had nothing to offer them. He had nothing to expect from them. They're shepherds. They're poor. They, they have, they're probably uh, um, not the cleanest. Like he, he wasn't impressed by them. It was just a man who has the desire to be a blessing to somebody in their time of need. And in turn, this would make a huge difference. You know, we discover, we discover that this decision is used to set up literally the rest of Moses' life. His decision to help be a blessing to somebody in need actually brought into Moses' life who I believe would be one of the biggest encouragements to Moses 
in his journey of pursuing God, which is Jethro or Reuel. You find Jethro, we'll see this in the next portion of our series, you find Jethro being a huge encouragement in Moses' life every step of the way. When Moses went to Jethro and said like, hey, I'm gonna go back to Egypt, you know what Jethro said? Hey, you do what God is telling you to do and God will be with you. Years later, when God brought Moses and the people of Egypt out of, out of Egypt, or the people of Israel, out of Egypt and, and crossing the Red Sea and came and were now wandering in the desert, you know what Jethro did? Jethro came and he helped Moses set up all of the organization for how all the people should communicate and, and how they should travel for the years. That was Jethro. And then when they got toward the end, when uh, everything was taking place and Moses and all of the people, they have all of their organization established, Exodus chapter number um, 18, I believe, you know what Jethro does? He goes to Moses and he says, man, surely God's hand has been upon you. You better stop and praise God for what he's done. Moses's decision to help water the flocks would bring into Moses's life probably the person who made one of the biggest differences in his life. Say, pastor, how does that all connect? You never know where your simple decision just to be a blessing to somebody, you never know how it will come back to be a blessing into your life years later. It will never go unrecognized. It may not happen the way you think it does and recognition come the way you think it should, but I promise you, as you pursue being a difference maker and just blessing people, just being encouragement to people, see a, see a need in someone's life and be the person to step in and help fill it. You never know how that can come back and bless you in the future. And so I ask you this thought today, who, who could you be a blessing to? Hey, difference makers, they can be anybody. Here's Moses, a murderer, and yet God's gonna use him to make a difference. Here's Moses, just a passerby, and yet God uses him in this moment to make a difference. Why? Because he chooses to be a blessing. <clears throat> I'll say today that you and I, we should have a desire this week to be a blessing to somebody. You're probably not gonna defend seven shepherd sisters and provide water for their flocks. That's probably not gonna happen this week. If it does, please let me know. Like if it does, get video proof. It didn't, if it didn't happen on video, it didn't happen, all right? So uh, that, that, that opportunity is probably not going to come your way this week. But I will say, Hey, this week, you could be that coworker or that classmate who shows kindness to the cast out. Everybody, every one of us know them. Hey, you might be that person. I, I go to, you know, I, many of you know it. I study at coffee shops and I make my rounds in Moses Lake uh, throughout the week. And man, I, I know. I know the people that come in and sit by themselves and no one ever is with them and they're not usually doing work. They're just kind of there. Man, maybe this week God might want me just to go up and say, hey, how are you doing? Hey, what's going on? Man, you know that classmate, you know that coworker, you know that person in the community that you see that they just need an encouragement. Hey, you could be a blessing to them. Don't always look for difference makers to be the ones who are parting the Red Sea. Listen, that's what we think. We think the difference makers are those people who have this big, huge, miraculous thing. Moses didn't start that way. Moses started by being a blessing to seven sisters. That's a lot of sisters to try to be a blessing to. 
I barely want to start with my two sisters. It'd be a blessing by putting a snake in something for them. I don't know, I'm just teasing. Man, listen, you know what we need? Where, where are the people who decide, I'm going to be a difference maker, not by parting the Red Sea. I'm going to be a difference maker just by rolling the stone back from the well. I'm not going to be a difference maker by leading two million people. I'm going to be a difference maker by investing in seven. And there's a lot here, isn't there? And difference makers, they desire to bless others. And lastly, this morning, I would say this, the difference makers... Difference makers are content in the waiting times of life. I believe um, there's, there's a number of places if you were to, uh, many of you maybe have a Bible app or something on your phone or maybe a computer, just Google it. You can Google or uh, search in your app just the name Moses. And you'll find the name Moses comes up in dozens of the books of the Bible. Moses's life story is recorded for us through the book of Exodus. Um, Moses's teachings and what he received from God and gave to others is recorded to us in Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The end of Moses's life is the very beginning of the book of Joshua and a few verses in the book of Judges. But the account of Moses from outside sources is recorded for us in a great place in Acts chapter number seven. Acts chapter seven, Stephen, the first martyr of the church at Jerusalem, he gives an account to all of the Pharisees, Jewish people who did not believe in God. He gives an account to them of Israel's history. And you know where he begins? He begins in Genesis And then he works through Moses' life. And I personally think that in Moses' life, taking all of the passages where Moses is talked about, I think that you can easily find that Moses, his mom instilled in him, God has a purpose for you, Moses. I really believe it. I don't believe that Moses knew I'm gonna lead everybody out of Egypt. But I believe that, that his parents taught him, Moses, like Esther, you are for such a time as this. Moses, God has something very big for you. But in our passage, when you look, look at verse number, Exodus chapter number two and verse 22. The first part of it, it says, and Moses was content to dwell with the man. Just so we're on the same page, let's, catch, let's get up to speed with the story. So Moses helps the seven sisters. They return home. Reuel, or Jethro, he says to the sisters, man, how'd you guys get done so fast? And they say, well, there was this Egyptian, because Moses would have been in his Egyptian garb. He had just ran. There's this Egyptian, and he, he delivered us out of the hands of the shepherds, meaning he saved us from all the harassment that was taking place. And Jethro says to them, well, where is he? Well, what did you do to be a blessing to him? Go find him. And then he says something that in our minds, probably we just kind of pass right over. He says, invite him back to break bread. Invite him back to a meal. In their culture, that was a huge deal. 
Okay, in our culture, you know, it's, it's like, hey, you want to grab a bite to eat? You know, it's like, yeah, where are we going? All right, let's go to the bistro. All right, let's go to Rock Top. I'm doing Taco Bell today. You guys come in? You know, you're just, those are my, I'm just naming them. Let's go to sushi. Uh, asking someone to do a meal, it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't have the, uh, the weight that it did back then. Okay, back then to say, I want you to a meal, especially at my house, you know, they're not gonna go out to eat. There weren't a lot of restaurants. Never mind, I was gonna make a really corny joke, but I won't. Uh, so they, they would invite people to their house. When you invited someone over for a meal, especially a wanderer, a stranger, what you were saying to them when you invited them for a meal is you can actually come live here. My house is open to you. I am completely hospitable to you. So our house is your house while you sojourn in this land. While you're not at your home, you can treat our house like your home. That's the underlying statement when it says, hey, go invite him for bread. And you know what Moses could have done? Moses could have, think about it. Moses could have said, no, thank you, I'm good, I'm gonna keep going. Moses could have, I mean, here's, here's this guy. He, Moses been raised in Egypt, right? He's a ruler. Moses is, he's rich. Moses is not from a poor family, being from the Pharaoh's family. He would have everything at his beck and call. He had servants. He was around wealthy people. And here you have shepherds, commonly poor people, here you have shepherds who are, are commonly not taking care of their, uh, I mean, probably don't have the best house. They probably don't have a lot of wealth. They don't have servants. And from the passage, there's probably not even brothers involved. It's just seven sisters. You know what Moses could have done? Could have said, no thanks, I don't belong here. But verse 22 says that he was content to dwell there. The phrase content to dwell, he was satisfied. He was satisfied to wait on the Lord. He was satisfied to wait. He was satisfied to make that his home until the next decision from God came. Moses, he had for years led the life of luxury and yet now he's content to wait for the next opportunity that God would bring. I love how one of my friends says it when he says this, great people are people of great contentment. Great people are people of great contentment. You know what God sometimes looks for? God sometimes looks for difference makers who are just content in their circumstances. Again, think about it. Moses could have been like, God, where are you? I mean, I, I thought you had a purpose with me. God, where are, and you know what you and I do? We say, God, where are you? Where is the Red Sea moment? God, where is the leading of the thousands moment? God, where is the, the, the walking on water moment of faith? God, where is the big moment of faith? But you know what God sometimes is doing? Hey, listen, in your life and in my life, God sometimes uses the valleys of life to prepare us for the mountaintops. And we need some difference makers who are gonna say, I am content with where I'm at in life right now. 
I'm content with what I have. We think of contentment just upon a financial level. You know, well, I'm content with my finances and I'm content with my, my job or whatever. No, no, no. It's like content being where you are in every aspect of life. I find contentment in my relationship with my spouse. I find contentment with my children. I find contentment with the job I have. I find contentment with the stage of life I'm in. I find contentment with being a teenager. I find contentment with being a young married. I find contentment with being single. I find contentment with being a widow. I find, cont- I find contentment with it. Now listen, it's easier said than done, isn't it? Because all of us are looking for the big moments. Hey, difference makers don't start out in the big moments. Difference makers start at the moment of contentment. Hey, think about your life right now. What areas of your life have you robbed yourself of contentment? Because you keep saying, well, what if? What about? I wish. Hey, stop it. If you have teenagers, those of you parents out there or grandparents out there, don't you sometimes just get tired of telling your kids like, hey, just enjoy being what you are right now. Like, just enjoy it right now. I'm not, I'm not going to pick on our kids at all uh, but right now, but there are times that I'm like, hey, I'll say to Lena, Lena, just enjoy being 14. It, it's okay to be 14. Micah, just enjoy. Micah's almost 13. Micah, just enjoy being 12. And when you turn 13, just enjoy it. Dennis, just enjoy being 16. Hey, can I say to you, enjoy being 47. Enjoy being 81. Enjoy being 90. Enjoy being 73. Enjoy being 52. Like whatever age you are, difference makers find contentment in life where they're at. Why? Because then God, you you know what God did? I love it. I love it. Like I wanna just stay in Exodus, but I've already planned out the year of messages. So we're moving back to Ephesians next week. But Exodus chapter number uh, two, verse number 23, all the way through Exodus chapter number 18, all of those things that took place, like Moses and their burning bush in Exodus chapter three, chapter four, when he begins his move and transition into, uh, you know, his discussion with God and then his transition into Egypt. And then chapter five, when he moves into Egypt and begins and you see all the plagues and all of those things. And then chapter 11 and 12 and all of the death angel and all of these things and the crossing of the Red Sea, all of that was born out of Exodus chapter two, verse 22. It's amazing, all of it was born out of Exodus 22, 20, or 2, 22. What is that one? He was content to dwell with the man. Hey, I will wait on God and I'll be a blessing while I'm here. Difference makers aren't those people that just step up and part the Red Sea today. They're not perfect. They just choose to be a blessing where they are and live with contentment with what they have and where they are in life. And then God uses the moments to build the Red Sea parters. So what I wanna challenge you with this morning is to cause the devil to be paranoid. What do you mean, pastor? Cause the devil to wonder, who are they gonna bless today? Who are they going to speak kindness to today?
oh, I really hope they don't read the word today. Oh, I really, cause the devil to understand the difference maker could be anybody. You could be the difference maker. Just a simple text message to somebody this week could make a difference in their life. So we look this morning and we understand that God desires, he used desires to use our decisions to grow us and to help us make a greater difference for him. Understanding that difference makers, they really can be anybody. So what about you this week? Will you choose to quit waiting for the Red Sea moment? Parents, quit waiting for your kids to be teenagers to invest in them. Grandparents, quit waiting for those grandkids to be past the three and four and five-year-old stage. Hey, quit waiting. Invest in them now. Husbands, quit waiting for the marriage to be perfect for you to love your wife like you're supposed to. Let me help you. It ain't ever gonna be perfect. I say this all the time in marriage counseling. You have two imperfect people coming together and you're like, we expect perfection. It's not gonna happen. Marriage takes work. And you know what some people do? They just, they just say, well, I'm just, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, you know, I'm just gonna do what I need to do until things work out. How about you work and invest and watch God use you to make a difference? Hey, singles, if you're single in here, quit looking over the fence and saying, I just, I just should be married. I should, be, I should have this. I should have this. Be content. Widows, God has you at this moment. God knew. I'm speaking this. My mom's not in here this morning or else I'd be like tearing up right now. But like God knew. And God knew that you were the one that he was gonna leave to be a blessing to people. Who could you bless? Man, I just, I'm just thinking right now, all the, all the many applications that this applies to, to just simply bring out the principle. Difference makers can be anybody. So quit waiting for the Red Sea moment and begin by being a blessing now. Moving past your past. And then choose to be content. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.